Welcome to Break Bias. I'm your host, Brad Kramer. It's the eighth episode, the Romain Grosjean episode of the podcast, and it's race week. What race is it? It's the first of two races in the USA. Yes, I'm talking about the long-awaited Miami Grand Prix. Uh, first of all, the apology for last week's podcast. Um, I still have this cold, but I promise I won't cut this one short. We have a lot to talk about. Um, so the biggest thing that we have to talk about is probably the big news in the paddock. Um, we are, of course, going to preview the Miami Grand Prix. But first, I want to talk about, of course, Porsche and Audi. They will be joining F1. Um, the months of speculation, if not a year now, of speculation that these two brands uh, would be joining Formula One. And the rumors, I guess, have been finally confirmed. Um, ESPN F1 put out an article about uh, those two Volkswagen brands joining F1. Audi intends to offer over $500 million to McLaren as a means of entry, while it looks like Porsche's plan is to partner up with Red Bull. Um, this might be getting announced now, but don't expect them uh, on the grid or don't expect to even really hear much about their plans um, for a while now. Uh, looks like it's going to be several years away until we get Audi and Porsche in F1. Um, I've seen a lot of buzz about 2026, so that seems to be um, when most people are predicting that those uh, Volkswagen brands will join the top motorsport in the world. I just wanted to start off the podcast by um, addressing that, uh, that big news. Before we get into Miami, let's talk about it, shall we? It's lights out and away we go! Alright, we've never raced in Miami before, so it's hard to make predictions. Although, uh, from what I've seen so far, it appears to be a pretty uh, power-hungry circuit. Um, Haas will be excited for this weekend as they haven't been competitive at an American Grand Prix since 2019. Uh, Magnussen will look to continue his solid form, uh, while Mick will certainly be aiming to get the monkey off of his back and score uh, some memorable first points in F1. I, I saw an article uh, quoting Mick saying it's getting annoying that he hasn't scored yet, and I can't wait for him to score his first points. A big fan of Mick, so if he were to be able to do it in an American uh, Grand Prix, American weekend. Um, that would be very, very cool and be awesome for Haas uh, to score some good points this weekend. Also, uh, I'm sure many people have seen this video now since we've got a new uh, race in Vegas. This video kind of surfaced everywhere when uh, those rumors were confirmed because it's an old video. Uh, I think, I don't remember who it was asking the question. Um, Ricardo, uh, Alonso, Lewis, I think someone else might have been on the panel. Um, asking them if you were uh, in charge of Formula One, what would the first thing you do? I'm pretty sure that was the question. And uh, Daniel immediately pipes in, race in Vegas. And then Lewis goes, Miami race. Um, so it's funny how both those things ended up coming true. And that's what Lewis wanted. So uh, well, well, honestly, I guess it's debatable whether he, uh, he wished for a race in Miami because of on-track reasons or off-track reasons. But either way, um, you know, Lewis will be aiming to bounce back after a dreadful weekend in Italy. Um, and with all that said, um, let's talk about who I think is going to be on pole for the Miami Grand Prix and who will win the race. Um, 
I think this one has Red Bull written all over it, to be honest. Like I said, Power Hungry Circuit. Um, I don't want to say it's similar to Jetta. It looks quite different than Jetta. But I think a car that performs well at Jetta will also perform well here in, in a way. Um, so I, I got Max on pole. Uh, I, I predicted Sergio um, on pole and Imola actually over Max. And you know what? I think Sergio could do it again. But I, I got Max on pole uh, on this one. And Sergio, I got a 1-2 in quality for Red Bull, honestly. Um, but in the race, I think this is a wildly bold prediction. But uh, I got Leclerc and Sainz on the podium with Max. I'm going to predict that Checo runs into some reliability issues that, uh, or bad luck, I should say, that Max had in Australia. I'm not completely sold that Red Bull will be, or I guess they've solved all their reliability problems. It's still very early. And um, if it were one of the Red Bulls, you'd think it would probably be Sergio, not Max. Well, I guess that's hard to say because you really don't know. But um, I'm just going to predict something's going to happen right to shake up at the front um and i'm going to guess that checo is uh not scoring points um and the rest of the point scores i'm going to pick lando to have another great result in p4 and then i got the mercedes of lewis and george in that order and p5 and p6 splitting the mclarens uh make that makes ricardo p7 and then rounding out the points Bottas and p8 alonso p9 and i'll put k mag in p10 Grabbing some more points for Haas. Um, and I guess my bold prediction is obviously Perez not scoring. But to make another one, it'll also be to do with Red Bull. And I'm going to make a prediction about Max's margin of victory. And he just had a very dominant Grand Slam weekend. And I think he's going back-to-back Grand Slams. I'm going in a margin of victory over 20 seconds. The gap in quality will be uh, about 5 tenths to the next best car. So that will likely be the Ferrari. Perez can be within two tenths, but I'm talking about the next best car. So in third place, according to my prediction, whether it's Charles or Carlos, it's going to be over five tenths um, away from pole. Um, I just feel like Red Bull's package is going to be perfect for Miami. And, you know, the team has just been galvanized by their first one-two finish since 2016. Um, you know, when Max finishes races, he's won. And I see that streak continuing this weekend. And I see it happening in dominant fashion, to be honest, uh, in back-to-back race weekends. I think Red Bull um, is, like, like I said, I think just think they're galvanized from having to fight from behind now. And, yeah, I just think their package is, is better for this type of track. However, I'm not I'm not fully on the Red Bull train saying that, they're going to just come back easily on Ferrari and they're the better car and everything. I think Ferrari will strike back in Spain and in Monaco. So it's going to be a great uh, title battle. I just think this weekend is another Red Bull track. It's it's just in the cards for them, I think. Um, but yeah, let's talk more about the track uh, because, you know, we've never raced there. I've seen some aerial shots of it and... Actually, before I talk about just the track in general, I want to talk about something specific about the track that seems to be getting a lot of buzz on Twitter, and I guess I shouldn't even say buzz, it's just pure hate, and that's the fake marina. The amount of people trashing this fake marina before we even race there, before anyone even shows up to the track, yes, it's a weird idea to just 
put in fake water and have some boats sit on there. But, you know, Miami is a city on the water and they weren't able to build a track like on the shore because it's it's in a it's in a car park essentially next to the Hard Rock Stadium. It's in a basically a huge like cement zone. And I I'm not sure that's going to be great for like onboard footage and stuff, but I think for the fans it's going to be awesome. Anyway, I, I think they're just trying to give off more of a Miami feel, but think of how much, imagine like the waste of time it would be to like make a little pond for the boats to sit in. Like who cares that it's fake water? Like they're just trying to give the track a little bit of character. Like it's better than nothing being there. I don't know. I think like the amount of people being like, oh, this is so dumb. Like, like, I don't know. Is it, I think it's cooler. Like it's something. It's better than like just another grandstand. Like, I don't know. I thought that was crazy how many different tweets and posts on Instagram and everything about how stupid this fake marina is. Like, it's, it's, is it really that bad? I mean, there's some, there's probably stuff at every track that's like questionable. I don't know. Anyway, the rest of the track though, I, I think it's looking really nice from those aerial shots that I saw. Um, you know, it's got a very, very Miami look to it. Having like the stadium in the background, it's kind of a cool, like, I mean, you can't really see it even you're on the track. It's not the same view as I'm seeing aerially. And I'm sure a lot of tracks look cool from, like, way up in the sky, to be fair. But, you know, I think, like I said, for the fans, it's going to be a really cool atmosphere. And I, I just can't wait for this race, honestly. I think it might be a little boring up front. Like I said, I think Red Bulls might dominate, but... Um, you know, that doesn't mean we can't have a good race for the rest of the way. I mean, Australia was boring up front, but there, there was racing in the rest of it. You know, Perez had a few moves on Hamilton or and a move on Russell. Um, the midfield midfield fight wasn't bad. So I think from an onboard perspective, this track might not be great, but I think it will produce some decent racing. And um, yeah, I don't know. I, I got nothing really else to say about Miami. It's really hard to preview something that we've never uh, been to. And it's not like, I, I guess I've been to Miami, but I've never been to the Hard Rock Stadium, so I don't know the area that well. Well, actually, I guess there is one thing that I do know. Uh, the Florida Turnpike, if you're not aware of it, it's just a, the biggest highway in Florida, I guess. I've been on it. Had to take it to get to Miami. And actually, the overpass of it, goes over top of the racetrack. So I don't know if they're going to be closing the turnpike because it's a pretty huge highway to just close down. So if they don't close it down, cars are going to be driving like over top of the track, which I'm, it's kind of cool, I think. Um, and I think like an exit, like in normal times, obviously not on a Grand Prix weekend, so that's definitely going to be closed. Like an exit, I don't know if they like just built that exit to like have access to the track, but it looks like there's an exit that like goes right onto the track. It looks super weird. Um, but it's cool. It's like straight up right connected to the turnpike. So uh, I thought that was interesting. If you are aware about the turnpike is, maybe that's a little more interesting to those who don't live anywhere near that. Because like this is a Canadian podcast and I know I have listeners uh, in Britain and they probably never heard of it. So anyway, I just thought I would mention that. It's like literally right off of the main highway in uh, Florida. Um, so now I want to move it to a new segment, um, and I'm going to be doing on non-race weekends because when I, when I review a race, I can talk about a race for 20, 30 minutes. Um, but on non-race weekends, I'm always going to make my predictions, but sometimes it's a little bit harder to preview, um, and talk about it for a long time. So yeah, I'm going to 
start talking about the driver market a little bit. You know, it's it's early still, but I think it's still fine. I think st- some people were starting to talk about the the 2023 grid in 2021. So I mean, I don't I don't think it's too early to start talking about the driver market. Um, and the name of the segment is going to be called Silly Season. What better name for it, right? Uh, so let's go to the new segment. So this new segment, um, I'm going to be continuing until uh, all seats for next season have been confirmed. I'll briefly talk about one interesting topic regarding the driver market on every uh, non-race weekend episode. Um, and a perfect example of why this isn't too early is because Carlos Sainz already has re-upped with Ferrari. So it's not ridiculous to be talking about the next year's grid. Ferrari's seats are confirmed, so I will not be talking about Ferrari's seats. But the seat I do want to talk about right now is the second seat at Red Bull. And I do call it the second seat. Usually I, I will try to avoid calling it a first or second seat. But let's be honest, Max Verstappen is the star of Red Bull. The other seat is the second seat. But anyway, first off, um, I want to read to you guys a quote from Pierre Gasly. A very interesting quote. Um, it's about, you know, seeing those, uh, seeing drivers that he's competed against in karting. Uh, now all occupying seats at a top team. So here's the quote. I see Charles in a Ferrari. I see Max in the Red Bull. George in the Mercedes. Lando in the McLaren. I've been fighting with these guys all my career. I know that's where I belong, and I want to get my chance to be in this position as well. So after Gasly's 2020 and 2021 seasons, there was a lot of buzz about him, you know, either returning to Red Bull potentially, um, or occupying a seat at another top team. You know, a lo- I've heard a lot of people talk about him going to McLaren to replace Ricardo. Um, but, you know, so far in 2022, he hasn't really shown much um, much promise, has he? The driver market is, is in a bit of a weird position right now. Um, Gasly is really no immediate path to a top team. It's kind of like the same dilemma that Oscar Piastri is in right now. There's like... There's no open spot at Alpine, and no other team is going to... I mean, it's it's a different scenario, but it's just... It's in a weird position where we're just kind of waiting for some veterans, I think, to move on and start this whole new era. I mean, it kind of already is, but it's it's going to be completely gone when Lewis and Alonso retire, and, you know, Seb retires, and even Checo. I mean, I think... I don't know who's older between Checo and Vettel. I feel like it's Vettel. Yeah, it's got to be Vettel. But, you know, when, when they retire, um, that's going to be an open spot at Alpine, open spot at Mc, uh, Mercedes. Um, Checo, he will probably be around a little bit longer, you'd like to think. Um, I guess Danny Ricardo is in that mix, too. Like, And there was buzz of Gasly going to McLaren. Personally, I don't like this. I, I'm not going to really entertain that one too much because I don't see it happening, like, at all. Um, I don't see McLaren sacking Danny Rick unless it's like an absolute superstar, which I don't know who that would be. Like if Max Verstappen wanted to leave and they could get him, like something wild like that. I don't see McLaren sacking Ricardo because an, he's an off-track superstar and he's not so bad on track that they have to get rid of him. So yeah, I just don't see that one happening. And at Ferrari, the seats are locked up, so... Um, where, where's Pierre going to go besides maybe returning to Red Bull? But 
I think the answer is he can return to Red Bull, but I don't think it will be in 2023. So I, I don't know what Pierre, if he wants to stick around in Alvatari, but I do not see him uh, in the Red Bull seat next year. And I know Marco, Helmet Marco, I forget his title with Red Bull. I really should know that. Um, so my apologies there. But Helmet Marco uh, was talking about um, Checo and kind of just, I guess, the second seat in general. And he said that they were looking at Gasly. Um, Checo's got a two-year contract and it's coming up this year. Um and, you know, there's a very, very good chance that Gasly gets a second chance. I, I'm, it's totally um, paraphrasing. But he was talking about that second seat and Gasly's potential to, to regain it. Um, but based on what we've seen so far, uh, Perez is driving like a man who knows he's on the hot seat. And um, from, from, I guess, what, like his results versus Pierre's, why I I don't know why Red Bull wouldn't re-sign Checo right now. I mean, I think it would be a one-year contract, maybe a two-year max. But why rush to bring Pierre in? Besides, besides waiting too long and then the potential of losing Gasly from the system. But I feel like the other dilemma Gasly has is that it's not so bad that it, it, like if they lose him. I don't think it would be so bad if they lost him because not only do they have other um, junior drivers in like junior formulas that are performing well, you know, um, Liam Lawson, uh, Dennis Hauger, I think Yuri Vips, uh, Jahan Daruvla, I think those are all Red Bull drivers. Um, and then, of course, Yuki Tsunoda in F1. And, I mean, Alex Albon. <laughs> he's, he's still a Red Bull driver, although I don't really think he's going to get reconsidered for the, for the seat. Um, but I do want to talk about Yuki real quick. He's still the youngest driver on the F1 grid. And after this year, he's going to have two years of experience. And so far, I'd say he's kind of coming into his own this season. Uh, the, the Alpha Tower is not as competitive as it was, um, last year or even the year before, I don't think. Um, but last season, Gasly torched Sonoda, uh, in the head to head 110 points to 32 points. And an absolute whitewash in qualifying 21-0 for Pierre. Um, but this season, Yuki is up 10-6 on points, which, you know, it's somewhat to do with luck. Uh, Bahrain, Pierre had the, like, electronics failure and then his car lit on fire. Um, but, you know, I still think if I had to compile all their drives, you know, four from Pierre and four from uh, Yuki, the best drive out of those eight drives, I guess, if you want to say it that way was Yuki's in Imola and you know he also qualified Pierre for the first time in his career in Imola um so like I said it, it might be a little bit to do with the Alpha Tari being less competitive so there's less to um extract from the car that brings the gap a little closer but I don't think that's completely the case I really do think Yuki is he had he at times he showed a really really good pace last year it was just the inconsistencies and I think Drive to Survive, this might have been one part that they kind of showed pretty well, was kind of Yuki's mentality and his hot kind of struggle with his rookie season. And I think he's a little bit more dialed in this season, and it's going to show in his results. Um, because really, it was the inconsistency and the crashing that cost Yuki last year so much. And even this year, he got unlucky in Saudi. He wasn't even able to drive. 
So really, I guess when I said comparing the eight drives is there was only seven. There's only three from Yuki and four from Pierre. So, um, but yeah, Pierre really hasn't had many bright moments so far this season. And considering Sonoda was my driver of the entire weekend in Imola, um, I'd say so far Yuki m- might be the better driver than Pierre in these first four races. Um, it might be a little unfair to Pierre because uh, he was stuck in that... Uh, well, he wasn't really stuck in a DRS train, was he? He was just stuck behind Albon. He couldn't get past the Williams. So I guess maybe not. Um, but it, it might be a little unfair to Pierre to talk about it this early, but I just want to mention that, how after four races, I really don't feel like Pierre is going to be moving up to Red Bull, and there's just no other seat available unless Alonso or Lewis retires, which I really, really don't think is going to happen. Um, something can come up uh, in the next few weeks or even a month from now that is a little bit more of an inkling that they could retire. But Alonso says, I think he wants to keep driving. Lewis came out with some quote saying he's going to decide when his masterpiece is over. And I really don't think he wants to end off on this note. I think he wants to give his team a little bit of time to fix the issues and see what the uh, potential of their car truly is and fight with a little bit more of a competitive uh, package than what he's got now before he retires. But you never know. Um, Lewis is definitely a bit of a loose cannon in that sense, so who knows when he'll step away, and he will step away on his own terms. You definitely know that. So, all right, that's all I wanted to talk about uh, in silly season this week. Um, Now for a few quick mentions. All right, I guess this is also driver market related, but Aston Martin team principal says the team would be foolish not to attempt to re-sign Vettel after the four-time world champion said that his future would depend on how the year goes. Uh, Mike Crack um, is the team principal, uh, and he's putting the onus on himself and the team to give Seb a car worth sticking around for and not be fighting in P18 or P16, because I really do think... Um, this is my opinion. Everything there I just read was uh, was from a source. My opinion, though, of this is that Seb will not stick around unless Aston Martin, because he joined them for the potential that they had. And they said, I think they said 2023 when they joined Formula One, 2023 it was kind of a target for them to start to, you know, gain some speed. But, um, yeah, I don't think Seb's going to keep sticking around. I think he's got some other stuff that he would love to do off of track. It seems like that type of guy. Like He seems like he loves racing, but he has other passions, I feel. And it's just, it's just it's not going to be fun for him working in a car from P18 or P16. And the performances that he's given, I'm not sure another team would snap him up because, you know, he's getting older. And he's not like a proven world. Well, he's a proven world champion, but how do I say this? He, I think he was a part of why Ferrari didn't win a driver's championship in 2017 or 2018. I think Lewis was the better driver. I really do believe that. And um, Charles Leclerc beating Vettel was not a great look for him either. So I just, yeah, there's no, there's no team that is going to get better. Aston Martin needs to get better for Seb to, I guess, produce better results. 
Um, so that wasn't really a quick mention. <laughs> I should be doing those a little quicker, but uh, it is believed that Mercedes could be bringing another upgrade to Miami. Uh, the race debrief that the team always puts up on YouTube after every Grand Prix weekend had trackside engineering director Andrew Shovlin say the team is seeing encouraging signs that they can fix the bouncing or the porpoising. Uh, Shovlin did admit that this is something that they will approach in steps. It's not something that's just going to disappear after one upgrade. But um, parts could come as early as Miami. So you never know. Mercedes might be on the up very soon. They said, if not Miami, probably Spain. So we'll see about that. And we'll be watching Mercedes very closely. Even if it's a little bit too late for them to join the title fight, to even just fight for race wins, have three different teams, that would be awesome. All right, and as I do before the end of every episode now, quick shout to a brilliant sim racing league in RLR. We race at the best track in the world, Spa, Frank Rochamp, this Friday. And if you want to check out our league, go to YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and look up Raw League Racing to get our races with commentary. Or go to my Twitch channel, Be Crazy, to watch my personal streams. Uh, the league actually just um, started another championship uh, the, called the Premier Division this Monday. They're doing practice races right now. The championship hasn't officially started, but the streams are there, um, commentated by a new uh, commentator. And if you can't watch races on Friday, you can watch them on Monday now. So another reason to go check out RLR. So that will do it for the Roman Grosjean episode of Break Bias. I'm your host, Brad Kramer, and I'll be back with episode 9 next Monday after the first ever Miami Grand Prix. I cannot wait for this race. Goodbye.